Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Eliza Writes Things Poetry Podcast, in which I get to share with you my poetry that punches and soothes, activating empathy and justice. I am so giddy to finally have a podcast as another platform to share my poetry on, and so thankful that you are here. Thank you for letting me speak life into you through your earbuds or your car stereo with my art. I firmly believe that poetry was always meant to be experienced out loud as live as possible. It is so beautiful to read a poem on a paper or on a screen and experience it yourself with the voice in your head that reads to you, performing it for you. But I think it is so special to hear poetry read out loud, especially by its author. So that was the first heartbeat of starting this podcast. Secondly, I wanted this to be a space where I can go really in-depth in offering commentary on the context, the personal history, the regular history if there is any way, the literary devices and all the artistic choices that I make in writing my poetry. And a podcast format is a really great space to do that. I am someone who always loves to read every single word of a um, description in an art museum about the masterpiece that they're presenting and I know I'm not the only person who do who does that and so I figured of course people would like to hear the artist's commentary behind poetry as well and lo and behold along came this podcast like I said I am so thankful that you are here I am a firm firm believer and propagator of the power of poetry to heal our hearts when our hearts are really broken and to fill our lives with beauty when we live in a world that loves to fill our lives with noise and pixelated green things that add nothing good to our lives and are only there to distract us and make us consumers rather than human beings. But art treats human beings as human beings, whether someone consumes it or not. I so strongly believe that there needs to be more art in this world of all forms. And of course, that includes poetry and creative writing, which is my art form of choice. So I am so thankful that you are here. And let's get started with one of my all-time favorite poems that I've ever written. I posted it on Instagram late last summer um, under the title Running, and I've since revised it, and it is now called Shards and Foot. Let's get started. Shards and Foot. Yesterday, I smashed my glass slippers at the foot of the cross. Barefoot I went, I ran down Golgotha past Pharisees and pompous faces, past cynicism and pride and snide remarks over rocks crying out in silence. I kicked up dust clouds behind me, grinning as the Jerusalem sun beat down my back, the sweetest taste of finally flying with no one in my way, with nothing in my way. I ran past wondering if I'm good enough, past cyclical fear that the future will be awful, past tornadoes of anxiety engulfing my existence, past believing the lie screamed at me by every dollar bill flooded into a capitalism that is inherently against all of us. The lie that women are only as worthy as we are charming and skinny. That my inheritance is to die to myself and become an object for others' dollar bills. And I ache to be fully alive. So I ran down Golgotha all the way to the empty tomb to meet my Lord. We have to be careful about how we tell fairy tales. 
because when we are not careful, these stories teach us that our womanhood is defined by what other people think about us being objects of desire and consumers of products. These stories have taught me to believe in romanticized lies such as that prettiness is a virtue and God is a magician, that as long as we are the nicest girl in the general area, we will get the man, the wealth, the status, dying to our living selves to become disposable in the process, a dead girl with perfect eyeliner sacrificed upon the altar of capitalism and a soul sold to Wall Street. It wasn't her fault. The man, the wealth, the status have only ever fulfilled me temporarily and in the end left me feeling emptier whenever I put all of my worth in them coming true and wishes for death by dollar bill coming true. What good are dreams come true if they aren't good for us? Yesterday, I decided we are not as worthy as we are the dollar bills we have or have not. The Sudan man who worships his golf clubs tells us we are. We are not as worthy as we have dollar bills and attention from boys or not. Hear that again. We are not as worthy as we have or have not. We just have worth. Climb off of that altar of capitalism. The glass slippers were pinching and bleeding my feet because they weren't designed to fit me anyway. They were made for a plastic shell of a woman who doesn't exist. And I am so sorry if you ever bought into the lie that you need to be the shell of a woman and not be fully alive. I bought into that lie until I left my glass slippers at the foot of the cross, smashed them, and ran down Golgotha to the empty tomb to meet my Lord. He bathed and bandaged my bleeding feet from where the shards cracked my soles where I smashed the slippers at the foot of his cross. But my feet are clean now. I'm clean now. This is my story, and here I can be a protagonist who is herself, fully alive, who gives herself permission to run as fast as she can, barefoot, flying, grinning, past Pharisees and pompous faces, past cynicism and pride and snide remarks, over rocks crying out in silence, kicking up dust clouds behind me, finally free. The glass slippers were pinching and bleeding my feet, and I can't dance with my God if I'm limping. Wow, this poem is so, so close to my heart because it really summarizes in just a few pages the story of my young adulthood, adolescence, and coming of age in a world that screams so many lies at us and articulates the story of how I came to a place of finally at least being able to start overcoming all of these lies that our world tells us women need to be. Um, in order to fit into some plastic shell that does not exist. And since I have, like I said, at least started, I'm not perfect at it. Getting over this lie, my life has just been for the far better. So I'll start with the title. Shards and Foot refers to the shards left behind of the glass slippers that I metaphorically smash at the foot of the cross. And the foot refers to both the foot of the cross and my own feet covered in bruises and blisters and open cut wounds from stepping all over the shards as I beeline <laughs> down Golgotha to go to the empty tomb. Obviously the very overarching metaphor of all of this, it's I have never been to the Holy Land to be able to do something like this, but the overarching metaphor is of bringing glass slippers aka unrealistic standards of beauty and wealth and personality that our world just loves to throw at women represented as these glass slippers which is a reference to Cinderella. I like the fairy tale Cinderella but the problem is that its complete underlying message is that the pinnacle of a young woman's life is when she meets a really cute guy who is royal and marries him thus getting a man 
wealth, and status. The pinnacle of her life is the moment in which she obtains all of these things. And that's a super toxic lie because those things are not promised to all of us in our lifetime. So they are represented by these glass slippers. And by smashing them at the foot of the cross, I mean taking these glass slippers, acknowledging that these really unhealthy and toxic messages that I've been told by so much in so many places in media exist, that acknowledging that they exist in my life, that they have very strongly influenced the decisions I make, especially as a young teenager and a young 20 year old, acknowledging their existence and contending with the fact that they won't be able to entirely go away. But by smashing them at the foot of the cross, I mean taking them to Jesus Christ and saying, I do not want this. I renounce a life completely operating like a robot upon all of these expectations that don't fit me and were never designed to fit me or any other women, woman anyway. And so I leave them at the foot of the cross. That is something that is a very churchy kind of thing to say. Oh, leave your pain, leave your sin, leave your brokenness at the foot of the cross. And that is very lovely, but I really love the idea of smashing these glass slippers at the foot of the cross and letting them shatter into a million pieces because Jesus does not need us to be picture perfect. Another lie from, unfortunately, a lot of Christian culture is that women need to be these picture perfect, completely peaceful, unfazed by anything, angels who always have even tempers and just are not ever shaken. We should put our peace in the Lord and we should be unshaken in the sense that we put our peace in the Lord and we hope for good things even when bad things happen to us. But Christ does not call his followers to be emotionless and spineless robots. And sometimes we need to take our glass slippers to the foot of the cross with tears welling up in our eyes and without even really wanting to, but wanting to want to leave them there, we just very meekly place them there and slowly walk away. But sometimes we need to smash them and let all of the pieces shatter against all of the bones of all those who had been crucified on Calvary, Calvary, not Calvary, <laughs> before him. And so I really hope that this poem empowers you to never ever feel like you have to present to Jesus a picture-perfect image of yourself that is completely fake and unlike however you really feel or whatever you are thinking about. Bring him everything. Bring him the raw and gritty and real you because he can take it. The next stanza um, describes the speaker, which in this case is me, but it isn't always true that the speaker is the author in a poem. I can explain more of that in another episode. The next stanza, the next few stanzas describe me running down Golgotha, which is the hill that Jesus was crucified on, past Pharisees and pompous faces, past cynicism and pride and snide remarks over rocks crying out in silence. And that is me running past the parade of all of those who looked on as Jesus dragged his cross up the hill. And plenty of the people there were his followers, or maybe not plenty. Maybe it was only a few. I know only a few people of his followers were actually present when he died. But by large, the crowd was made up of Pharisees and pompous faces who all thought that they were better than Jesus, who were all super judgmental, and who were thrilled to watch him die. 
And so by me, in reverse of the direction Jesus went running down Golgotha, past all these Pharisees and pompous faces, it's like me saying, no, all these Pharisees and pompous faces, which in the case of this poem refers to all of those in the mass media and in digital culture who keep propagating these lies that women have to be X, Y, and Z thing that we don't have to be. By running past them in the other direction, I'm saying, nope, you are not going to crucify me upon the altar of capitalism and treat me as a consumer of products and as an object. I refuse to do that. I'm running past you. I'm not going to engage with you or talk to you. I'm not going to try to reason with you because you won't be reasoned with because you worship money more than you love people. Running past all of those toxic messages all the way to the empty tomb to meet God. I also say in the third stanza, I run past wondering if I'm good enough. The fear that the future will be awful, tornadoes of anxiety, believing lies. Those are all interior things. The second stanza articulates the external things that feed these lies. The third stanza outlines the byproduct of these lies, which is so much wondering if I am worth good things happening to me, if I'm worth X, Y, and Z sort of thing. Fears that the future will be awful and tornadoes of anxiety and believing lies. That is also reference to the mental health struggles that I contend with daily of anxiety and depression. And those are chemical in my brain, but surely they would be a lot better off if I, I and billions of other women in the world weren't faced with these terrible lies every single day telling us that we are too much and not enough at the same time. I really like the line, and I ache to be fully alive, so I ran down Golgotha all the way to the empty tomb to meet my Lord. The, just the phrase, fully alive, is one that I use a lot even in normal conversation. I think this world so badly wants us to be robots of ourselves, wants us to punch in and out of the corporate ladder and do nothing that makes us feel really human. The world wants us to buy stuff and use stuff and then when we're done with it, pollute the earth. That is not what God calls us to do. God wants us to be fully alive and fully, uniquely ourselves. The closer we are to the Lord, I firmly believe, the more of our true selves we are because the easier it is to let go of all of these toxic messages that tells us we are only as worthy as we are charming and skinny. We are only as worthy as we have money to pump into the economy. Worship of the economy is the root of so many problems. I take a shift about a third through the poem and start talking about fairy tales. And in this, I'm referencing the older Disney princess movies, Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. They're very lovely, but they, as I said earlier, pump into girls' brains the message that the pinnacle of our lives is not is no other achievement but getting a guy, getting money, and getting status. And it's not at all that men are bad. Men are very good, even though they hurt us sometimes. It's not at all that having money is inherently terrible, and it's not at all that being famous or popular is inherently terrible, but when those become the things that define your existence and that you spend all of your energy chasing after, it just leaves you a mess. It leaves you in a pile of sorrow because you can never ever attain what you want because every single time you want more and it's 
always unattainable and it's so, so dissatisfying. That's why I'm a big fan of Moana and the newer Disney movies that show girls going after other things besides just these. I mentioned capitalism a few times in this poem and how it's not great for people. (laughs) I'm not an economist and there's a lot that I don't know (laughs) about capitalism versus socialism, but I do know that the way in which capitalism stands, at least in America today, is very bad for the human person and intrinsically treats people only as what they are worth by how much money is in their pocket and that is not true about people people just have inherent worth without having to prove anything at all all of the poetry i write is in a fighting effort to prove this and to reiterate this message over and over and over again and so in all of my references to capitalism i'm not saying that i necessarily have the perfect solution because like i said I'm not an economist. I'm an English and theater major. I don't know a lot about business. But hope my hope is that somehow in American culture, we can work changes from the inside out, from the bottom up. Because I don't think cultural change that treats human beings as human beings rather than robots or dollar bills can come from the top down. It has to start with us. That's why artists are so important. We are those who can be at the very forefront of big changes that really really revitalize humanity and make us actually human rather than like I said earlier robots or a massive dollar bills. As gritty as this poem is I wanted to make sure that it had a happy ending of running down Golgotha in reverse of the way Jesus carried his cross not to nothingness or to another trap but to Jesus at the empty tomb. So the idea is that Jesus is no longer hanging upon the cross on Calvary. Cavalry. I always get it wrong, um, but that he is standing in the garden outside of his empty tomb, so happy to see me when I run up to him and tell him how, show him how badly my feet are bruised and have so many open cut wounds from these glass slippers pinching my feet because they were not designed to fit me anyway. The only person that can fit them is Cinderella because she doesn't exist. None of the rest of us can fit them because they weren't ever designed to fit us anyway. They were made to be unattainable and make us feel worse about ourselves. Think of every single magazine cover and for like especially women's interest magazines and makeup ad and clothing ad you've ever seen by far and large they are made to be so unattainable so that you'll buy their thing and it won't ultimately satisfy you and you feel so much worse about yourself. I battled this, like I said earlier, I battled this so greatly in high school, especially in the earlier years and as I've just moved through college and seen more of the world. I know that not everyone listening to this podcast believes that Jesus is God and our Savior But no matter where you stand religion-wise, you can still, you still have the power to give yourself permission to run as fast as you can barefoot. You still have the power to say no to the glass slippers that weren't designed to fit you anyway. Whether you take them to Christ to smash smash the foot of his cross or to whoever 
um, propels your life and gives you your intrinsic worth and it can't be a human being it has to be some other higher deity that you believe in or worship or just yourself it can be just yourself you can smash your glass slippers at the foot of you and leave them behind for forever but you need to walk away from them you still have the power to give yourself permission to do that i thought that was really important to include in the third to last stanza and finally i really like the last stanza how i say i can't dance with my god if i'm limping because the glass slippers were pinching and bleeding my feet i can't dance with god if i'm limping you cannot dance with yourself or the life that you so badly want to live full of peace and being uniquely you who is worthy without having to prove it you can't do that if you are limping because you're stuffing yourself in glass slippers that are so uncomfortable and causing your feet to bleed that is not the kind of life that we were made intrinsically to live and this poem is written in the hard and fast pursuit of trying to prove that and i really hope it did for you i hope that my words today encouraged you to let go of all the really toxic messages that are thrown at us from every which way in this world and to give yourself and find for yourself peace that surpasses all understanding just from being you and not trying to fit yourself into anything that a world that worships money wants you to be which is a robot made out of dollar bills we are not robots We are not the sum of the products we have or the productivity that we produce. We are not the sum of how smart or intelligent or charismatic or popular or charming we are. We just have intrinsic worth and do not have to prove it ever, ever, ever. And like I said earlier, that is what all of my poetry is written in trying to prove so badly. I hope that this was so encouraging to you today. I'm so thankful that you joined me and let me speak truth into your life for about 22 minutes. And I hope that you will join me for next week. Thank you.